if you're going to have sex, it should be totally fabulous. It should be pleasurable. If it isn't, don't bother. You know, this whole idea that sex is supposed to be like, you know, like that. That is a typical male idea of what you think the macho lover should be doing. We have up to 22 G-spots. When you bounce up and down, you miss every single one of those. It isn't a woman's idea of pleasure. Seema Anand. She is India's most renowned sexual health influencer and author of the best-selling book, The Arts of Seduction. Kam Sutra is written in seven sections. Most people don't know this. And it's written for men of wealth and leisure. So rich men who have the time to indulge in all sorts of fabulous things. Section one is she is a PhD holder and has studied the scriptures of Kama Sutra. In this episode of What the Hell, she will be breaking all the myths around Kama Sutra fantasy and will share her experiences on how to have the most pleasurable sex life. Even if your partner is incredible and will kiss you down your entire body, after a little while it becomes a habit because we tend to do things in the same way. So you're kissing your partner all the way down their body, you're going down their waistline, but now you're thinking about the email you haven't sent and the deal you haven't signed. Every time you go from one area to the next, the perfume changes, it brings you back. Porn is giving us far too much of this idea that your own relationship has become monotonous and the only way to spice it up is by introducing more people into it. The biggest danger when you introduce somebody else into your relationship is that the initial part is going to be an emotional attachment. It will happen no matter whether you want it or not. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, you know, when we actually think about all the topics that we talk about, um, you know, we meet friends, we meet people who we are very close to. We talk about uh, life, we talk about fashion, we talk about work, we talk about everything under the sun. But when it comes to pleasure, desire and sex, uh, I think it's such a untouched topic. And you sort of really, uh, you know, became a master in this. Uh, how did how did this happen? How did uh, Seema Anand became, uh, you know, the, uh, I think you've won an award as a sexual health influencer of the year. How did all of this happen? So, okay, I've always worked with stories. I believe that stories are so powerful. They're the most powerful thing. And they define our identity. You know, the stories that we tell. We tell stories of... <clears throat> man coming home drunk, beating up his wife, but she's so good. She's so good. She never says anything to him. She never does his beastie outside, you know, like that. She is such a Devi. Then that becomes the identity of the good woman. Resultantly, the woman who then raises her voice and says, don't you dare treat me like this, becomes the bad person. So stories establish our identity in society. They establish, they define our roles. I've always worked with stories and over time, I realized we never tell stories of a woman's right to her own body. Mm. Her body, her pleasure is somebody else's property. Mm. And so I actually set out to discover what are the stories that we had shut down? What are the stories we'd silenced? 
And I had thought, okay, like everybody else, I know very little about the Kama Sutra. Most people in India don't know, at least now people are learning a little bit. When I was younger, we knew nothing about the Kama Sutra, except that it's a book about positions. I thought, let me at least see what the book says. And we were always told it's a book where women are taught how to pleasure a man. That's what the, the general narrative around the Kama Sutra is. And I thought, yeah, I'll do a paper on it, 5,000 words, move on. That Saloni was 23 years ago. Wow. I am totally immersed because it is nothing like what I thought. The book is written in metaphor like any other treatise. It's impossible to decode. So it's taken me years to understand what it's talking about. And this work continues. And it has, um, it has inspired 2,000 years of our classical Sanskrit and Tamil literature. There are thousands of Kamsutras. And there are thousands of books written based on its vocabulary. And, and you have written an interpretation of Kama Sutra, uh, The Art of Seduction. So it's not actually an interpretation. It was literally written to explain the metaphors, which we can talk about in a little while. But just to say, when they say this word, what is the story behind that word? Because every word has a different meaning. It has a different narrative. So that's what that book was about, just to decode. And that's why you are here. We need your help to really give us a short course on what can a modern relationship really learn from your book and Kam Sutra and sort of have a better life. Uh, so that's what this episode is going to be. It's just so amazing to look at um, the misconception in this category that people have and and we're thankful for someone like you to really be out there and uh, you know debunk these myths and talk about this openly because we really need this thank you saloni it's um yeah it's been a real labor of love because like you said people have started writing in and now it's not just the beautiful part of the Kam Sutra that i was decoding and translating now it's down to real life and a lot of weirdness so, yeah, there's a lot out there that needs debunking. I think the most recent one, which actually got me very worked up, um, was when somebody said, can I put an ice cube in my wife's vagina? And I just lost it. I was like, and then I had to change the caption because my initial caption was like, I, I got really upset with this whole thing. There's so much porn around this stuff. And I think it was also in Fifty Shades of Grey. And people pick up this incomplete narrative and then, yeah, can you just imagine how dangerous that would be? So Seema, um, I'm sure you hear so much rubbish uh, from people, right? Like asking questions, like you mentioned the ice cube question, right? Tell us three big myths or mistakes, because that's why we started this podcast. I don't want to miss out on that. Three things, it could be for men, women, or both, that you really want people to stop doing or stop thinking or uh, correct. This is the platform to do so. Okay. So um, one, of course, is this idea these days of vagina lose ho gai. Okay, it's like a real bugbear with me that a woman has had pleasure. She's had the nerve to explore her own pleasure. Earlier it was that you could slut shame her by calling her not a virgin and then she's out of society. Today it is, well, your vagina is loose. And I find that 
a lot of women get very distressed because they're being told that by people that they're in bed with. You know, I get women writing to me, girls writing to me saying, he had sex with me and said, oh, your vagina is too loose. It doesn't matter what they're going through or, you know, and we haven't yet, in, we, we haven't um, let women come to that point where they have enough confidence in themselves to say, not me, buddy. You know, like we've now brought women forward to that point of saying, okay, I'm not a virgin, so big deal, but we haven't got to that point yet. So that is something that is a real problem. And I, I want to say that vagina lose nahi hoti. It's a, you know, even Vatsya, yeah. even Vatsya says that you cannot measure, like you can measure a man, you cannot measure the vagina of a woman because it is an elastic organ. It, it changes its um, shape and size. Now, what does happen over time is that, like especially after childbirth and things, the muscle over there, the perineum, can become weaker, which means that ideally when you have an orgasm, the, the vagina um, also contracts a little bit around, you know, so there's that spasm, which is exciting. The, when the muscle is weak, you can't do that very much. So that spasm is weaker. And that can impact your sexual um, pleasure, but also primarily it impacts your um, continence. You, you become incontinent. So it is very, very important that women understand that they have to exercise that part of you for yourself. And yes, if the byproduct is that you also have great pleasure, that's great. But these guys, when they say it, they're not talking about people post-childbirth or, you know, whatever. They're talking about young girls. So that is something that is a real problem. And we need to shatter that. The second one, which has never stopped being a problem, is this idea of no means no. You know, I was just thinking when I was much younger, so I was about 19 or 20, um, I had a friend who, uh, we were studying for some um, MBA exams, entrance exams. I thought he was a really good friend of mine. He had a thing about me. I didn't know, like, you know how you don't think about it. So one day he asked me over to his house and he said, you come over and we'll study. And I was like, yeah, okay. Now, he thought I'm saying okay because I like him back, I guess, whatever. Anyway, he decided that he was going to kiss me, and I pushed him back, and this happened three or four times. But he just wouldn't listen. Finally, and I reacted instinctively, I, I hurt him quite badly. I didn't mean to do it. I just did it. And then he kept shouting at me and saying, you could just have said no. But I did say no. But you know, what was worse was that when I talked about this later, everybody's reaction was, you must have done something. Or it was, Acha, so how stupid, how can you say you didn't realize he liked you? Come on. That so at no point was even the other half of society willing to say, the guy did wrong. And we don't put that narrative out. You have Bollywood films that are saying, Haseena maan jayegi. So that is the one serious thing that if 
she is saying no, she actually means yes. And if I like her, it means that she likes me back. So that is one of the biggest issues. And of course, the third biggest thing that really gets to me, you <laughs> asked for three things, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is the condom. Okay, what about the condom? अगर हम कॉन्डम पहनेंगे तो एक्साइटमेंट नहीं रहेगी अगर हम रुक के कॉन्डम पहनेंगे तो एक्साइटमेंट नहीं रहेगी अगर हम कुछ भी इंटरप्ट अपने आप को करेंगे यू नो दिस होल आइडिया दैट सेक्स इज पोस्ट बी लाइक यू नो लाइक दैट एंड यू ट्राई एंड सी टू दैम एक्चुअली दैट्स नॉट हाउ वोमन लाइक्स इट दे आर नॉट कंसर्न विद दैट बिकॉज इट्स द नैरेटिव फ्रॉम द अदर गाइज सो ऑल गाइज इज स्टिल ट्राइंग टू फिट इन टू नॉट ऑल गाइज सॉरी A lot of men are still trying to fit into the narrative that other men are putting out, because udhar the the uh, izzat that you have to show is a whole different thing. So you know, just so a lot of them refuse to wear condoms because excitement ni rehti. Today, condoms are so thin that you can literally feel everything through it. Um, but yeah, we. and sti's are there and you know problems are there okay good very good three points I, i'm glad i asked that question so tell me um i think you absolutely you know uh, spelled it correctly the understanding of kam sutra is just sex positions so tell us what does kam sutra mean and what is this book about because i'm sure this is more than sex that's okay. in this book so Interestingly the Kam Sutra is written in seven sections most people don't know this it was written in around 300 and something AD so it was written for men because this is a time when women are not taught how to read or write so it is written for men and it's written for men of wealth and leisure so rich men who have the time to indulge in all sorts of fabulous things so it's basically about how to live their best life Section 1 is on how to build your house. Oh. So how do you find the perfect location for it? How many bedrooms you have? How many beds you have in each bedroom? Because the idea was back then that you did not have the the bed that you have sex on, you do not sleep in that bed. The energies of the bed change. And in a lot of cases, if you have foreplay on one bed, you sleep on another one. you have sex on a third one so there could be rooms with three beds you know it told you in what season to what, what uh, to have what kind of perfumes behind your head and it says um in case your beloved passes wind or her mouth is smelling because there's no room for bad smells in the art in the world of seduction it tells you how many hours the man should talk to his minor birds Two hours, by the way, in case you're wondering, it tells you how many hours he should have his massages. I mean, it's a whole different. It tells you what kind of garlands he should wear for what occasion. So the first section is on how to build your house. The second section, which is the only section that I think is worth keeping, following, working on, is on pleasure. It has a small chapter on positions. but Just most a small chapter yeah yeah oh. it's only a small chapter on positions the rest of it is all about understanding pleasure understanding that it is the woman's pleasure that has to be paramount because that's what will make your sex life fulfilling and satisfying and longer so it was all about the woman's pleasure as opposed to primarily the woman's pleasure anyway This is the only place where Vatsyayan addresses both men and women. 
And he says in his, um, he says in his, in his um, introduction, he says, people ask me, why have you addressed women over here? Why are you talking to women about, um, you know, instructions on what to do? Women don't understand any kind of science. It is a colossal waste of time. And he says, I tell them, women understand this automatically, intrinsically. Men have to be taught. Wow. Yeah. So this has to be put together in a way that both people understand how the how they must give pleasure. And I like the fact that he says how they either receive pleasure or they must give pleasure, which leaves it open it, in the sense that if you're a man receiving pleasure, it doesn't mean that you only have to receive pleasure from a woman and vice versa. Anyway, so, and interestingly, it talks about positions, but it does not talk about the act of sex. It focuses fully on pleasure. Section three is about how to, for a man like this, how to look for the ideal wife. Section four is that if you don't have family, how do you marry this ideal wife? Like, who are the people that you'll use as go-betweens to pass your messages, etc., and the duties of this ideal wife? Section five is on how to seduce another man's wife. Wow. Okay. And this is a political thing because if her husband is very powerful and you want to access his power, what's the best way of doing it? You go through the wife. So it becomes a political thing. Section six is on courtesans because this is written at the same time as um, the, um, oh God, what is the book? Uh, Archastra. Okay. And Chanakya in his kingdom had made uh, sex work legal. So there is a ministry for courtesans, for sex workers. There are rules around it. There's a lot of laws around it. And the courtesans apparently said to Vatsyan, we get very confused. Can you write a chapter on this that simplifies things? So section six is on the rules around courtesans. And section seven, I believe, was added later. It's the Jadu Tona. Add the eye of a peacock to the poo of a sparrow and then mix it in some ghee and, you know, that kind of nonsense. And I think this was added later just to sort of, um, because at every session, every section in our history, I know that it sounds like, ooh, at that time, the Kamsutra was written. It was a very different kind of society. Society was always the same. There were people who thought it was great, people who thought it was bad. We're still there. We're still there. Actually, we've regressed a little bit. You know, but there was obviously a point when people said, oh, you know, you're writing another book on sex. We don't know if we want this. So they added this to make it sound a little bit more acceptable. Okay, you know, we're giving you solutions and so on. So that in short is the Kam Sutra. Positions are tiny chapter and there is a reason for the positions. There's a reason for the chapter on positions. Let me know when you want to hear about it. I will tell you about that. So Seema, you have read Kam Sutra for such a long time. You've been trying to really decode it. What made you really uh, go ahead and write your own book, uh, The Art of Seduction? So, you know, the, um, the Kam Sutra is a treatise and it's written in metaphor. So, you know, people feel, oh, people always ask me, uh, do you read the original in Sanskrit? Even if I wanted to, I couldn't, because that was written in literary Sanskrit. Most of those words are not even in usage anymore, like in English. You know, there's so many words that we used 
I don't know, 500 years ago that we don't use anymore. So the problem with understanding, and of course, there is not just the one Kam Sutra. It was rewritten so many times, thousands of times. There's no such thing as the original. Even if you take the Kam Sutra that was written in the 3rd century AD or the 4th century AD, and you take the one that was written in the 8th century, society has moved on, so people have added stuff to it. They've taken stuff out of it. So it's very difficult to kind of say the original. And Vatsen himself doesn't write anything original. He said that he just took things that um, were written from a thousand years ago. He's copied and pasted the bits that he likes. I found that the biggest issue was that it's written in metaphor. It's like if you go out and read the Bhagavad Gita, even if you read it in Sanskrit, you cannot understand what it says because those words are not straightforward words. There is a backstory to everything. It's the same with these, with the Kamshastras. So I really wanted to say that um, I wanted people to understand what those metaphors meant because Saloni, this is the vocabulary that was used to write all our epic romances. So whether it was Kalidas writing Meghadutam or Kumar Sambhavam, whether it was Dandin writing the Dashakumar Charita, Thousands of years, 2,000 years of our classical Sanskrit literature is based on this, the Geet Govind, etc. It's based on this vocabulary. So it was just, for me, it was just a case of, I got to a point where I got so excited by what I was finding in there. Um, I decided I had to write it. And the very first thing that got me excited was the jewelry. You know, the different things it says about jewelry. Tell me more. Okay. So... I think that this is where, okay, this is where the real light bulb moment went off for me. Every single position in times gone by, first I discovered that each position is known by a piece of jewelry. Not because they were being like, oh, let's not talk about the position, let's be all shy. But because women were taught how to perform a position by how different pieces of jewelry move on their body. Okay. Okay, so if you were going to be on top as a woman, which was in the ancient world, a forbidden position for women, for the rest of the world, because that's the position of power. The Kamsutra says you could be on top, but you, you do this position by only moving your hips. You don't move the upper part of your body. Now, if you watch porn today, which is the only place that we can go to today to learn about sex, you see this position where women are, are on top and you'll notice the woman is bouncing away like a ball on top. This is how it's done. It's the worst way that a woman can be on top because we are told that we have up to 22 G-spots within the vagina. And when you bounce up and down, you miss every single one of those. So it's not pleasurable for a woman. But basically, the idea was that you wore if you were going to be on top, you wore a jingling girdle around your waist, lots of gungrus, and then you made sure that the gungrus didn't make a sound. Oh. Okay? Now, that meant that you were only moving your a certain part of your body and in a certain way, which now is connecting to all your different G-spots. And it was coupled with long earrings, which were supposed to dangle and kind of work in an arc across your cheek as you moved. And that set the pace. Wow. 
I, I think that was just worth every bit of studying that I had done on it. I had read this for years. You know, I'd read in the Jain literature particularly, the men are going to battle or they're, they're going somewhere. And then there is a party the evening before. And it says, and the, the women came with their jingling girdles. And you just think, yeah, okay, fine. They came with jewelry. You know, you don't know what it's about till much later where you realize it's going to be that kind of party. You know what I mean? Like, or it's like <laughs> or it the, meant I, something. It, it to meant wear it. something. Yeah, that the fact that there was more to it. The second thing I discovered was the... Um, so anyway, sorry, there's... No, so I saw jewelry this, for everything. Yeah, yeah, I think there's another thing that I read from your page on jewelry was how women has a lot of pleasure points. Uh, the one around pleasure points on the hand and how there's jewelry around that. So the heart full that one wears is because there are certain pleasure points yeah. on the hand as well. And hence, you know, there are ornaments around. But I did not know the story of movement of jewelry. And it's literally, Saloni, every position had its own piece of jewelry that taught you. So the sitting position is a seven-string necklace of pearls, which Satlara. has to, yeah, which has to move in a particular way from side to side. And again, to get that, that movement of the jewelry, there is a certain way that you have to move. And I, you know what really strikes me, aside from the fact that it gets every nerve ending of mine tingling and excited, I always think, look at the beauty with which they approach the idea of pleasure and sex. Mm. Now, this is pure beauty. You know, it's not just the fact that you're looking at how to have perfect sex, but the fact that they're approaching it as something gorgeous, not as something shameful and dirty. Mm. True, very true. Okay, so let's jump into the first chapter that we have here. Um, like you said, the most obvious thing is positions and um, Samprayogic. This chapter contains a list on how to attain pleasure during sex. And one thing, the little bit reading that we tried doing on this chapter was that there are there's this whole thing about the three genitalias that men and women have. There's bell, ghoda, khargosh, and then there is ghodi, hatini, and hirni. Um, and this whole thing about how different sizes require different positions to attain pleasure, and there's something for every size there. Uh, tell us more about, is there anything interesting that we should learn from this chapter? Absolutely. So... You know, again, it's something that we don't talk about. We always say, does size matter? And you say, no, size doesn't matter. Meaning that if, if, if a guy is very, very small, that no, that won't matter because it's what you do with it that matters. The Kamsutra, of course, one, it's written at a time where he wasn't having to be politically correct. So he could say certain things. But he says, very interestingly, that the anatomy is made in a certain way. So... Both men and women have different physical characteristics. So men are measured um, with, their, with the width of the fingers. Three fingers, six fingers, nine fingers. Okay. Women, he says, have different uh, sizes of vagina, vulva, etc. But it's a more mobile organ. So it's difficult to measure it. Take it at its most basic. He says that if you're going to have sex... It should be totally fabulous. It should be pleasurable. If it isn't, don't bother. Now, one of the first things 
to make sex really pleasurable is that the sexual organs of both partners should synchronize in size. If the woman is very, very large, the man is very, very small, it's not going to lead to friction. There's no pleasure. If the woman is very tight, the man is huge, it's going to lead to more pain than pleasure. So the idea is that the sizes should synchronize. But literally, that's the one thing you can't do where you say, I'm sending a rishta and <laughs> can you tell me what is the size? You know, that literally is not something that you can ask for. So the positions were created to help people synchronize their sizes. If, for instance, the woman was big and the man is much smaller, then he recommends uh, positions where the woman is lying on her side. Her legs, the moment, you know, you have your thighs one on top of the other, the vagina becomes a little bit tighter. It becomes a bit smaller anyway. And then it goes on to explain that if the man is really thin, then this is the kind of position that would work. If you are much smaller, then this is the kind of position that could work and so on. If you are very tight as the woman and the man is much larger, then the ideal positions are where the woman is on her back, legs wide open. But even there, you know, it's not as straightforward as, okay, yeah, legs wide open, go for it, put a pillow underneath. So he says, take the pillow out from under your head, put a pillow under your bottom, because that changes the angle of penetration and makes things different. But it actually goes on. It's the nuances, Saloni. It says, you have to make sure that the position has to be done in a way that there is enough room for both of them to pull back because the woman is very tiny and very tight, it is seriously scary for her to think that this really large organ is going to penetrate her and be maybe very painful. She needs to be in control. So the positions are then created to make sure that there's enough space in case there is a problem for both to be able to pull back individually. That is what we have lost because all you do is now you get a Kam Sutra, People say to me, how do I pick the right one to read? I always say, pick the one that doesn't have pictures. Those pictures are useless. All it shows you is a tangle of limbs. It doesn't explain what you're supposed to be doing to make sure that it will work. I definitely take this back from what I've heard, that Kam Sutra is more about the act of pleasure and seduction than the act of sex. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't mention thrusting. It doesn't mention the harm. Like the Chinese um, literature on, you know, similar Chinese literature will tell you how many times a man must thrust for him to be counted as a good lover. Incidentally, in case anybody is wondering, four to 5,000 thrusts. Let me tell you, no woman wants that. Okay. That is a typical male idea of what you think the macho lover should be doing. It isn't a woman's idea of pleasure. The Chinese literature will tell you um, what the semen should sound like when it comes out. So if you are this excited and you get this much semen, then it should sound like a whisper. If there is this much semen, I mean, and if you're very excited and there's lots of semen, it should sound like a storm at, uh, storm at sea. Like, I'm sorry, but <laughs> if the mind boggles, right? Mind boggles, um, absolutely. So the, the Kam Sutra does not talk about any of this. It literally says, focus on pleasure. And sometimes it says, you know, you could be doing this for hours, but that's okay. Okay, so let's spend more time and learn more 
from you and from Kamsutra around the art of seduction, right? Um, you spoke a little bit about fragrances. Tell us what have we lost in our modern day relationships about understanding of smells and fragrances and what can we learn from Kamasutra about it? Okay, so I guess the first thing is maybe that maybe they had a lot more time on that, you know, to, or maybe they just felt it was more important so they made the time for this. Now, we all know that, okay, the Kamasutra says that every part of the body has to have a different fragrance. And in in this idea that each part of the body reacts differently to different types of fragrance and also the amount of area that you're perfuming. So like, for instance, the belly button. It's a very tiny area. You want to draw somebody down to that. It has to be a really strong one, right? Musk. The curve of the waist, which is a long, long, long space. It has to be really subtle. So your partner is having to press their face into your waist to be able to get that fragrance. And I love the idea. It says that the curve of the waist is a path that every lover must travel. The perfume makes sure that it doesn't end too soon. The journey doesn't end too soon. Now, all this is beautiful. Yeah, it's very romantic. It's very beautiful. I love it. Again, it's all about getting your imagination tingling because it all starts here, okay? Pleasure or the idea of pleasure or the desire for pleasure starts here. But there is a little bit more to it. Now, any couple, when they've been together for a while, even if your partner is incredible and will kiss you down your entire body when they make love to you, after a little while, it becomes a habit because we tend to do things in the same way. It's what we get used to. And then you start to zone out. So you're kissing your partner all the way down their body. You're going down their waistline, but now you're thinking about the email you haven't sent and the deal you haven't signed. And, and the idea again is that every time you go from one area to the next, the perfume changes. It brings you back. Wow. Attention. It reminds you where you are. You know, it's like, oh, it's a wake-up call. I think it's amazing. Every, every single thing that they talk about they they have this thing of like there's more to it you know the love bites for instance tell us more you want to hear about the love bites? yeah um okay so love bites unlike today's time um this is the only culture that actually romanticizes the love bite so you can't just say oh I like you, we're having crazy, wild, passionate sex, I'm going to gnaw on you. Love bites were a skill that had to be learned. So you couldn't just chew on your lover, you had to learn how to do it. There are eight different types of love bites that the Kamsutra mentions. Each one has a different shape. Each shape has its own meaning. Each meaning has its own occasion. So you could actually send love bites as a gift, where you put love bites on the petals of flowers, and then it, because it, each one had its own message, it became like a love letter. Wow. I know. Um, very often, they would actually send it to their lover on a patta, a people ka patta, because this is before you had those sponges to apply your foundation. Women would use leaves to apply their makeup. So this would be like the gift with a little love bite on it and had a little... So that love bite had a message, right? Now, it has rules around the love bites. So 
you know, you had to have certain type of teeth. If you had bad teeth, you weren't allowed to give your lover love bites. If your teeth were chipped, blah, blah, all of that. But the interesting bit for me came was, um, it says that the, the person to seek, so the person who understands how to do all the love bites becomes a desirable lover for a woman. Hmm. The best kind of love bite, not the most passionate, but the most skilled love bite is something called the bindu mala. So the bindu is where you pinch the skin between two teeth. So you leave the mark, uh, which is the size of a sesame seed. But now you make a mala out of it. So you have one, then you have two, then you have three. And I always used to think, well, what about if you get to the fourth one and you kind of go off the rail? Like, what do you do? Like, do you start again? And to me, it was really funny till I realized that, you know, again, women take so much longer to come to pleasure. Men, on the other hand, if you're with your partner, your mistress, your wife, whoever it is, and you're that close where you're kissing them, you're biting them, the man is likely to come much, much quicker. But if the guy is having to measure out each bite and put it in, he is not going to be focusing on his arousal. It will hold him back. But the woman, because she's getting that personal one-on-one -on -one contact, it's giving her the time to build her arousal up. So there was a technique behind it. Amazing. So let's move to more techniques, right? Okay. Let's move to more techniques. <laughs> more techniques. You have a whole book on it. Um, one other thing that I uh, listed down when I was researching was uh, this entire f masculine and feminine energy. Uh, can you explain the concept and uh, how one can really balance the two and get the most out of it? What's interesting is that the introduction of the Kama Sutra is as relevant as the book itself. This is where Vatsan takes on um, potential questions or arguments and responds to them. So without anybody asking him, he says, people will say, and then he gives the answer. And at one point, there is this argument about he takes different people and he quotes them, his pre predecessors, and he says, so-and-so says that this is how pleasure happens, so-and-so says that this is how pleasure happens. And he says that men and women come together to feel their pleasure, but we are very, very different inherently. And we feel our pleasure differently. So some, some scholars of the ancient past say, pleasure is pleasure, it doesn't matter, we all feel it the same way. Some say we feel it very differently. And the idea, which I like the best is, he says that a man's pleasure is like fire. It starts down there and it goes upwards. And like fire, it is very quick to set a light, to ignite, and very quick to put out. Woman's pleasure is like water. It starts over here, and it flows downwards. So she has to start thinking it. She has to get herself in the frame of mind, in that mood. And then it starts to excite the different parts of her body. And like water, takes a long time to come to the boil, takes equally long to cool down. So the idea is that when you make love, um, if a man ejaculates first, for most men, that is it. That's the end. It's very difficult for them to then rebuild that. But for women, the more orgasms they have, the more excited they get. So it actually says that you should bring a woman to orgasm twice before you penetrate her. 
because that will get get her and you in the right space. I think that men and women physiologically were made differently or whichever gender each gender is made differently physiologically. And then add to that our minds because we each have our own way of being aroused. Our pleasure is different. Even woman to woman, the way we feel pleasure is different. I just love the fact that this was a text actually exploring the idea that differences exist. Whether that is too limited an idea now that to say, okay, there are three different ways of feeling pleasure, you know, the, the deer, the, uh, the horse, and the hare. Whether you say there are different, three different ways or whether you say there are a million different ways, the point is, here is a text from 2,000 years ago talking about the differences in physiology and pleasure, which we don't talk about today. Great. I have a question, Seema. Which is the ultimate aphrodisiac? Okay, so I'm going to break your heart on this one. Uh, most people believe that there is something known as an aphrodisiac and you eat it and it'll make you an, into an incredible lover. Unfortunately, according to the Kama Sutra, the ultimate aphrodisiac <laughs> is something that removes the wind. Because bloating actually stops the blood flow properly going to the sexual organs. And for good arousal to take place, you need good blood flow to your genitals. And so anything that gives you wind will bloat you and that stops that. So yeah. Anything that will remove the wind from your stomach is the ultimate aphrodisiac. Hajmola, maybe, I don't know. Um, and with every age group, that changes because with every um, sort of, in every age group, what gives you wind and what will remove it becomes different. So as you age, your gut ages as well. It changes. You wrote about pan in your book. So pan is interesting, as we were just saying that that's also, of course, a digestive. But um, pan, interestingly, was used as vocabulary. This is at a time when you don't have text messages, you know, where you can lovers can send each other messages. You don't even have paper and pencil at this point. So how do lovers communicate? And contrary to what Hallmark cards say, there are many things that lovers need to say aside from, I love you. There are other things. So how do you actually communicate? <clears throat> now, the Kam Sutra had a chapter on Pan, which seems to have disappeared. I rediscovered this in an 11th century re rewriting of the Kam Sutra called the Nagar Sarvaswam. And um, basically, every single Pan, so different shapes, different fillings, etc., had a different meaning. So you could send a pawn saying, I love you. You could have a pawn saying, I'll have sex with you, but I'm not really into you. You could have, you could have a pawn saying, meet me tonight. You could have a pawn which said, no, somebody suspects I can't come. You could have a pawn saying, don't like you. Don't call me again. You're dead to me. I mean, like literally. It's a breakup or whatever. The breakup pawn. And the breakup pawn is brutal. It's actually rectangular. You make it with the leaf turned inside out. Then you, you make it into this rectangular shape. Then you tear it in the middle and you tie a black thread around it. Wow. That's like, <laughs> Tum mar chuke ho. don't call me again. <laughs> the only pan I know is meetup pan. But, <laughs> but you know what? Like the first time I came across pans, um, when a woman, when, the, when you were making love, as a woman, when you believed that you'd had 
good foreplay and you were ready to move on to sex, you would make a pawn and offer it to your partner. And I believe that that was, you know, as I was saying earlier, that there were different beds. So maybe if you were moving from the foreplay bed onto the sex bed, this gave you that time to put on your condom. It gave you the time to change your position, etc. Because you, as we all know, when you're at foreplay, your your bodily position is different to when you're going to have sex. And so this was the little communication that said, okay, I'm good now. We can move on. And I think there's a lot of communication there as well, right? Uh, around consent, around yeah. let's proceed to totally. the next stage. Yes, absolutely. This is ultimate consent. Yes, let's do it now. Wonderful. Tell us more, right? I Is there anything around hair? <laughs> I have to talk about hair. I know there's, I read up a little bit around women playing with hair as a sign of, uh, you know, they thinking about sex or being sexual, uh, they're flipping their hair. Uh, is there any mention of importance of hair around feeling attractive or thinking about sex? Yes. So uh, in the 64 skills, now, I don't know if you've heard of the the Chonsat colors, the 64 colors of the, the Kam Sutra. Most people think that the 64 skills of the Kam Sutra are 64 ways to have sex. It's not. Now, again, background to that is that the Kamsutra says that the more diverse you are as a personality, the more interesting you become and the more desirable you are as a lover, which makes sense, right? Because somebody is boring and can only talk on one thing, you're like, okay, I'm done with you. So the 64 skills are very, very diverse and go everything from singing, music, dancing, painting, juggling. And this is written both for men and women or was it just women's responsibility? To no, no, this is men. I told you this book is written for men. Wow. Men all had to learn. You know, one of the foreplay, I will come to the hair in a minute, but like one of the things that a man had to do during foreplay, which was considered very important, was that he made a drawing of his beloved. That was part, I mean, just imagine the kind of one-on-one um, -on -one eye contact, the kind of time you're spending just looking at her drawing that, how special you make her feel. He was supposed to I juggle. I kind of feel bad, Seema, that I'm in 21st century. I know. Huh. I think we should go back. I mean, bring that back. We just don't have time today. Well, we do. I think it's just what we choose to think about not having time. That's the, I think that's where it comes down to. But... The 64 skills include botany, zoology, mineralogy, etc. And so intellectual skills as well. Yeah. Uh, eight of the skills are learning foreign languages, doing word riddles, etc. So anybody who did Sudoku back then or whatever would be, you know, or crossword puzzles, <laughs> they would be like, yeah, you're in. Um, but hair is one of the skills. So, and it mentions... Like I said, everything is written in metaphors. So it's a little difficult to decode all of it, but it mentions washing, shampooing the hair, and doing elaborate hairstyles. Very, very important skill. It was, a lot of people consider that it was meant as a part of foreplay as well. Like I said, I haven't yet managed to find the background information on that yet, but it's a very important part of the Kamsutra, of the intimacy vocabulary. You know, um, we have this thing about, even till today, 
when you're going for puja, they'll say you have to tie your hair back. Now, the idea was that as tied back hair, you were, um, you were a woman in control. You were in the right place. You were this domesticated, good woman who, was, who understood her boundaries. Open hair denoted something outside of the boundaries. So whether you were a widow, whether you were mad, whether you were on your periods, or when you were having sex, when you were making love, your hair was open. So hair is extremely important um, and has a far deeper meaning. And if you go to Kajuraho, if you actually look at any of the old um, sculptures, look at their hairstyles. They were so elaborate. I want you to do that as your next thing, Saloni. Go to Kajuraho and take pictures. Forget the 5% um, so-called erotic sculptures. They're the least erotic. The actually erotic ones are the ones that don't look erotic. I'm going to tell you about a couple of them. But forget all that. Just take photos of the hairstyles. They are so elaborate because it was a huge part of your, um, I guess, of your beauty, of your, of your intimacy vocabulary. Wow. And the perfuming of the hair was very, very important because you washed your hair. You then put something really earthy like mitti kaitar. Mm. You massaged it into your scalp. You then tied up your hair. So you didn't let it dry. You tied it up and you worked the day through with that. So you allowed your own sort of perspiration to mingle with that. So in the evening when you opened your hair, it was like this waft of gorgeousness, which was a combination of the perfume plus you. It was very, very you because your bodily fluids, your perspiration is you separately wow so yeah very important i also heard um from you and i we've had a relationship coach on this podcast before how important is communication right we heard from you uh the importance for a woman to first know her body number one and number two to then be able to communicate it to the partner that this is what i like and this is what works for me and this doesn't um are there any rules of communication um, that one should follow or know uh, for stuff in bed, especially because you hear so much about people writing to you. Um, is there anything that you would want to pass on to people that uh, how to go about communication? So, you know, um, people don't actually realize we talk about the word communication. Again, like the word seduction, it's kind of lost its relevance because it's used so, so um, often. In the 64 skills of the Kam Sutra, along with learning foreign languages and all the rest of it, one of the, one of the skills is Shayan Rachanam, which is the art of making the bed. And again, this gets translated as, oh, you know, beautify it, put crochet uh, bed covers on it and things. It's not. It's basically where you learned how to make the bed Depend, this was the woman, depending on how you were feeling that day. So you communicated to your partner whether you were feeling happy, angry, or indifferent in how you made the bed. So when they came in, they saw how you were feeling. It was nonverbal communication. If you're feeling angry with them, you've said it over there, they know how to approach you. If you have to actually say it in words, you can imagine the fight that would occur. And 
so they understood how to approach you. But then I discovered, like I said, you know, with the, with the Kamsutra, it's like unpeeling the onion layer by layer. That the word shayan is not just the Sanskrit word for bed. It is also a technical term in Sanskrit grammar, which means finding the perfect word for the perfect emotion. So if this is how you're feeling, finding a way to describe it in the perfect way. Communication is everything. It is literally the one thing that we lack because the moment one of us gets angry, the first thing you do is you kind of mutter, you get resentful, you shut down. It's very hard. Talking to somebody about what you feel half the time is not received very well on both sides because the other person gets defensive. It is one of the most difficult things to do. It's such an easy word. What I have started to say to people is, especially with newer relationships, set a rule maybe once a week, maybe once a month, and actually do like almost like a review of the month. I loved when you did this. I didn't like when you did this. Literally do that as a review and create your little boundary for, okay, when we have this conversation, we're not going to get angry. We're not going to do this or that. You need to do that. It's your only way of making sure that that channel of communication stays. So many people, so many people, you get angry, you then talk to somebody else about it, you get used to talking to another best friend or whatever, you never go back to that person to tell them that this happened, that thing just multiplies. It's a downhill um, process from there. It's a really easy word, it's the most difficult thing to do. It all boils down to communication, everything. Whether it's going well or not, it all boils down to communication. So, yeah, have a review session as opposed to, you know, if you can't, nonverbal communication unless both of you understand totally, like we were saying with pan, you know, using, everybody knew, had to know what that pan vocabulary meant. Or there was, um, the other thing that they would use is uh, condiments from the kitchen. So, you know, if you send zira, it meant this. If you send haldi, it meant, this. you know what I mean? Like everything had its, yeah, if I put mirchi in your chai, you'll know I'm angry with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But just actually um, learn to use words because we're all babies when it comes to communication. We're really not good. Seema, you shared uh, some quotes from Kam Sutra on your Instagram page, one of which spoke about um, the importance of hearing your partner's voice. Uh, and the jokes and the conversations. Uh, tell us more about voice and importance of voice during uh, this. You know, uh, again, 2,000-year-old book, so forward-thinking. So it says that when you come together to make love, I mean, today what happens is you kind of, okay, you know, your partners come in from outside, you sit down, you say, all right, we will start. You know, there's no, there's no understanding that your brain is elsewhere and how much of a shift your brain needs from your day's work to where you need to be ideally to be able to feel what you're supposed to be feeling. So it says that before you have sex, the idea is that it talks in terms of stories, but it says you have to tell each other 
either naughty or gossipy stories. Okay. And I love the fact that it says that. It, so the idea is the, the basic premise is that you have to make your partner go, <gasps> no. It drops your inhibitions. It says gossip between partners is so important because two things, when you're playing Tash and when you're gossiping, you lose track of time. You forget the world. So it's like, okay, share either naughty or gossipy stories. And this kind of gets you more aroused. When you giggle together, it gets you more in the mood. It makes you um, go from this space mentally to this space where you need to be. But it says that after you make love, it is equally important to have conversations. So that time you share beautiful, sweet stories of people who got together and were happy. And again, talking about it in totally modern terms, how all of us remember an event, any event, is either from the peak or from how it finished. So you go for a cricket match and the best chakka in the, in the game is what you will go chakka. and talk about, mm -hmm. right? In the same way, when you make love, it's very seldom that a woman will have an orgasm during penetration. It is very seldom that a woman can manage that. So the rest of it is pleasurable and it's great, but you don't remember that mellow pleasure. You'll remember how it finished, how you finish. At the end of it, when you finish beautifully with this little chat, with the cuddle, that's what you will remember. That's what will bring you back to that person's arms more quickly. I don't know about, I'm going to share a personal thing over here with you that, you know, I have discovered that, you know, like even when I'm super busy, I travel a lot for my work um, and so on. I know that what I always take back are those really intimate, nice moments when we finish, my husband and I, we lie together and the bond that I feel with him at that point is what makes me say, damn, I've got to make this half an hour schedule, but I want this before that. You know what I mean? It literally is that closeness which will take you back. So I think that we... And then the entire pressure and hype about orgasm or no orgasm is out of the window because totally. it's just a good experience. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's what you remember, it's what makes you feel good. And sometimes it's also just that at that point, the conversations are so mellow. We're not fighting... This is the time of year where I do my tax returns. My husband is my accountant. He's a pain in the neck. <laughs> he doesn't understand the double tax because, you know, we, I live in the UK and we have to do this thing called double tax if I am earning here and there. And I keep saying, yeah, let's get an accountant. And he's like, no, I can do this. So it drives us mad. We fight. But in our lovely little afterglow conversations, he's so gentle, he'll say, never mind, I'll do this, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I encourage this more at this time of year. <laughs> Should he just have sex, darling? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, even my accounts become easier. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that brings me to one other thing I read in my research on Kam Sutra, which is how can a couple really bring quarrels and no joke? into the bed and sort of um, use that to get, uh, you know, better sex. There's some mention on... Lovers' that, quarrels. That it's, you know, it, 
it a uh, a uh, yeah and also a couple need not just have good chemistry but the no jokes can also be a positive thing absolutely so again um you know our society puts a certain kind of um boundary or certain periphery or certain rules around relationships so what is your role as the wife what is the role of the man as the husband how you are supposed to i mean let's be real we don't like this idea but society does fit a woman into a certain space where you're listening you're doing you're being the good person you're not arguing you're not nagging so kamsutra says that relationships also because of all our um, boundaries and all our rules can fall into a lot of monotony and they can become boring and gradually monotony is the first way to kill a relationship off so it says that all couples must fight regularly maybe once a month not too regularly you fight where you and it says that this is where you drop all this thing of oh um you know nee, 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 not that kind of thing it's an all out fight go for it and it says that in this the woman has to have the tantrum and the man has to do the making up so the woman can do anything she can shout scream break things throw things at him kick him whatever like it's up to her um so it says that the woman can do anything the man's job is to make up and he can't say acha theek hai ek bari sorry bol diya come on how many times no he has to keep going till she is ready to forgive him and put in effort now two reasons for this one is that it says that if okay sorry the the boundary for the woman here is that she can do whatever she wants but she can't run out of the house she can go as far as the door but she cannot run out one because if she runs out and he doesn't follow her immediately phir uski badi cut ho jayegi you know it shifts the balance of power and the other is that you're supposed to finish with makeup sex so the term used here is that um he will bring her feet to his head or he will put his head on her feet it doesn't mean that he's joking to that again was one of the metaphors for love making because there's a very popular position where the woman is underneath but um uh, feet are here on the man's shoulders and you know again love making at that point we're talking about looking at it as a thing of beauty you would do your full string hair as opposed to saying wash my makeup off get into an old nighty turn the lights off here you're saying this is very special so you do your full string hair to make love and you'd have alta under your feet and when you had your feet here on the man's shoulders the alta would come off on his forehead which no matter how hard you try it doesn't come off very easily so you saw a man with a little bit of alta you knew exactly what he had been doing and that becomes a metaphor for love making so you know when you say he took her feet to his head it's when you are lovers so it says that he must take her feet to her uh, to his head so you finish with makeup sex so that is really really important but the reason that they have done this as the um, the allocation of who has the tantrum who does the making up one is it gives the woman that chance every now and then to get this out of her system but also it says that the way women are made if she feels that somebody has made such an effort to manow her she will love that person back 10 times over 
the man's psyche doesn't look at it in the same way. If somebody has taken that long to manau him, he takes it as more of a regular kind of thing. So the the benefit of this comes more if it's this way around. Makes sense. Wonderful. Not wasting any energy. Everything is about getting one yourself priority. to a, yeah, <laughs> getting yourself to that point where you want the other person. Uh, Seema, there's this chapter that I came across in the book, which is Kanya Samprayuktak, uh, which kind of covers how to choose a wife and all the traits and criteria that a female uh, should have. The first reaction that I had to it was um, how irrelevant or how wrong. Um, all right, we have now moved to an era where we want to sort of accept. We want people to, you know be the way they want uh, what is your take on tell us a little bit more about this section and is there anything that is relevant for today or is it all irrelevant you know um as i said to you at the start of the conversation that in the seven sections of the kam sutra the only thing i find relevant is the section 2 which is on pleasure all the other things were written for the time for which that book was written and subsequent translations have kept those chapters because they are translating so obviously they're going to keep the text as is you know it's a very weird um, and if you read it at face value it's really seriously misogynistic as well we have to remember number 1 that yes maybe in india 2000 years ago the conversations around pleasure were more acceptable On the other hand, we were never a feminist society in the way that we think of feminism today. Mm. There was always that whole idea of male superiority, of patriarchy. It was always there. So the wife who is being brought in is supposed to toe the line. She is supposed to provide a service. She is supposed to fit a role. It also has some very strange um criteria like don't um marry a woman whose name begins with r or l i think aisa bhi kuch hai don't marry a woman whose name is the name of a river a hill a tree or something you know because they will be like this and they must have had a whole bunch of ideas on which it was based you know for instance um one of the rewrites is called the rati shastram The Rati Shastram has a very, very, very long list of. Um, it, it has a huge chapter on the astrology of the periods. So, if you, as a girl, if your first period falls on this day, which is in the dark half of this month of this year, when there is that constellation, then your life will be like this. Your relationship will fall apart. Your relationship will do really well, etc. Today we say that your period is a biological function of the body. It is going to be what it is, and your life will be what you make of it. But back then they decide to write this; it exists. There is another rewrite of the um, Kam Sutra where there is a massive chapter on teeth and how you maintain your dental hygiene, because. ek to like i said you know you can't give love bites if your teeth are all wrong but also they said that saraswati sits on your tongue so that mouth of yours 
is the home of the goddess Saraswati. Incidentally, Saraswati is the patron goddess of the Kamsutra. Because a man who is supposed to be uh, culturally well-versed is the most desirable man of all. So the prayers, the outings, the picnics in the Kamsutra, the festivals in the Kamsutra are dedicated to Saraswati. Okay. Now, because this your mouth is an important part, it tells you that um, on different days of the week and at different times of what constellation, which tree your datun should be broken from, that your priest had to go and do it, then the priest had to say their prayers over it, then you had to dip in th this and then dip it in this liquid and then use it. Now, we are able to look at that today and say, Achha, forget it. I have my toothbrush. I will use my Colgate. I'll brush my teeth. I'll gargle with Listerine to make sure that my breath is fresh. And I will learn how to speak well. But for some reason, this idea of sex and the role of the woman, we have decided to keep that in a pocket which is as antiquated as possible. And we're like, but us shastra mein ye likha hai. Hence, we will go ahead with it hey, we also have to learn where to move on, right? Like you've learned how to brush your teeth and you've learned, um, you know, whatever other things that you've learned about your periods. In the same way, we move on when it comes to women. See, ma'am, I'm going to move to this next controversial chapter in Kamsutra, which is Pardarik, which talks about desire. It talks about desire not just from your own women, but... Um, uh, other women and I think you initially also mentioned about uh, a man enticing other man's wife for political reasons tell us what does Kamsutra say about infidelity adultery cheating what is this is it is it justified um, I think I read bits of that if a man is not satisfied it is okay to entice another woman is that true so okay you know, again, we're going back 2,000 years to a very different setup in society. And some things, like I said, are still relevant to us today and some things aren't necessarily. So this is at a time when the Kamsutra is written. It's a courtly society. And interestingly, in the 3rd century, when oh, in the 4th century, I keep saying 3rd century, sorry. In the 4th century, when the Kamsutra is written, um, it talks about the Nayak and the Naika. It talks about the man and the woman. It does not mention husband and wife in the chapter on pleasure. It talks about man and woman. By the time we get to the 13th century, the 14th century, where the Anangaranga is written, where you know it's being rewritten again as the Koka Shastra, etc., we are now talking in the chapter on pleasure as husband and wife. So what they're doing. So there's a huge shift in the way the treatise was written originally. The original text is a treatise. It's a scientific text talking about how um, you live within this um, social and material world. So this idea of infidelity, cheating, etc. is not really a point. By the time you get to medieval times, society has changed and now we're starting to look at trying to fit in with what has evolved because everything has changed you know, the texts have changed accordingly so um 
yes, we go back to the original Kam Sutra where the man would at court be a young man, um, a man of means, he would have a mistress. Mm. And the lovemaking described is between him and his mistress. Later texts, when they talk about the jewelry that we were talking about, it says that the mistress would wear the jingling jewelry, but the wife would have the silent jewelry. So she's not even supposed to be terribly visible. Because again, by the time we get to the Mughal period, we now have harems. We have women in parda. You know, the, the, the status of society and the status of women have changed. So the Kamsutra is not the ideal text to talk about things like infidelity, etc., the, I was saying that this is also a text that's uh, inspired so many thousands of years of literature. So whether you go to, let's say, Malvika Agnimitram, or whether you talk about um, Megadutam, you know, whichever text or whichever play that you talk about. Again, in Malvika Agnimitram, the king is already married, but then he sees this other girl and he then falls in love with her and he marries her as well at the end of it. And this is something that, you know, it always starts with the wife first not being happy about it, but then the wife accepting her as the second wife and saying, yes, we'll all be wonderful together. I just think that it, it was a different time in society. It does say, however, that if you have a lover, do not get rid of your lover that easily. So it doesn't say that, okay, you move from one person to the next to the next. It says it is very difficult to find a good lover. So do not change them all the time. And it says that the best sex actually is with the person with whom you have been for a very long time. Because the best sex is comfortable sex. The kind of sex where you look at somebody and you're like, oh, I have such chemistry with this person. You have come too fast to even have been able to enjoy this. But when you have to build it up more slowly, you understand how to feel every little bit of that sensation in the building up. And I think that, like with any text, you understand what you understand from it, you interpret it the way that you think it should be interpreted. I would like to take that interpretation away from it to say that, yeah, you are going to be attracted to a lot of other people over time, Everybody is going to be attracted to other people through their entire life. You have to understand your own boundaries. You have to understand what you want from your relationship and what you want from some other relationship. And that you have to work towards any relationship to keep it good. I think that media needs to join hands with us in saying this because at this point, Media is giving us one idea of chemistry. Mm. When it talks about chemistry, it's not telling you that your chemistry is something that you have to work towards. It's telling you chemistry is huh, when you see somebody and you're totally like, wow, I'm so excited about you. Just like media is not telling us that you can look sexy in different ways. It's telling you this kind of short, tiny, uh, revealing outfit is sexy. If it was to give us five options and say... Jeans and this kind of top can be super sexy. A sari and this kind of fabric can be super sexy. We'd have the options. At the moment, we don't know because we're only getting one thing. So, yeah. Makes sense. I think we need a lot of 
this gyan and one very entertaining thing about your instagram account is all these amazing people writing to you i absolutely love watching you read what people ask you and then you sort of really guide them i've i love your answers and that's what we are going to do now here okay. we asked around and we have received some questions that people have for you so i'm going to go around reading those and we'll need your help to answer them okay i uh, will start with something around adultery because we just spoke me and my husband tried an open relationship we both had one partner each my husband enjoyed it but i did not now he wants to continue seeing other people how can i talk him out of it okay i think this is um something that a lot of people are trying because there is this belief that your own relationship has become monotonous and the only way to spice it up is by introducing more people into it porn is giving us far too much of this this uh, idea of introducing more people into it and unfortunately porn is an incomplete narrative that's the problem with it it's not that it's wrong in every way it's just incomplete so most people if they watch porn they realize that their arousal is very very quick because when you see something like that it is like really fast and people think that that can translate into real life the biggest danger when you introduce somebody else into your relationship is that the initial part is going to be an emotional attachment um unfortunately it will happen no matter whether you want it or not the other thing is that when you decide to do something like this whether it's cuckolding or trying an open marriage or whatever you cannot unsee it a lot of people don't realize what it's going to feel like in real life so the first thing i know that okay not for this couple because they've already tried it the first thing i'd like to say is please do not initially try something like this without giving it a serious amount of thought and then if you actually really still want to there are now sites where you can bring a third person in who's a bisexual and um they're called unicorns because they're bisexual and they're the ideal invisible partner so they will come in have that physical relationship with you but will go um in the case of this particular lady i am afraid that the only thing that you can actually do is continue to talk about it there is no other way of doing this don't and i want to say this um don't try and say okay you are not stopping i will now go and try it with somebody else till i also start to feel like that and then i'll show you what it feels like don't because that's like a vortex mm. that's a spiral downwards don't do that um you do need to communicate and i cannot guarantee that your partner your husband is going to listen to this but don't give up like you have to find ways of telling them that this is not working for you hi mera naam rohit hai meri recently shaadi hui hai main jab hi apni wife ke sath intimate hota hu mujhe dusri auraton ke khayal aate hain kya aisa sochna cheating hai ओके सो एक ये भी बहुत मुश्किल रहती है कि जब हम चीटिंग के बारे बात करते हैं ना और मोनोगमी के बारे एवरीबडीज़ आइडिया कि चीटिंग क्या होती है मोनोगमी क्या होती है वो अलग है 
अब हम कहते हैं कि फैंटसी अगर आपको है कोई आपकी जो फैंटसीज हैं देर अ ग्रेट आइडिया आपकी फैंटसी आपके अपने दिमाग के अंदर है आप ये फैंटसी इस्तेमाल कीजिए अपने पार्टनर के साथ सेक्स लाइफ को बेटर बनाने के लिए यस इट कैन बी कि अगर आप अपनी फैंटसी इस्तेमाल कर रहे हैं टू से कि अच्छा मैं इस्केप करता हूँ कि अच्छा मुझे इसके साथ होना है पर मैं और किसी के बारे सोच के इसके बारे नहीं सोच के फिर करूँगा दैट ऑफ कोर्स इज नॉट अ ग्रेट आइडिया देन यू हैव अ प्रॉब्लम बट अगर आप वो फैंटसी से अपनी अराउजल बढ़ा रहे हैं अपनी एक्साइटमेंट बढ़ा रहे हैं और वो एक्साइटमेंट फिर अपने पार्टनर के पास लेके जा रहे हैं दैट्स अ वेरी गुड आइडिया आपकी फैंटसी आपकी पर्सनल स्पेस है आप चाहे जो मर्जी अपनी फैंटसी में यूज कीजिए इट्स फाइन हे माई नेम इज गायत्री आई वॉज इन अ बैड मैरिज इन गॉड रिसेंटली डिवोर्स्ड आई नाउ वॉन्ट टू फाइंड माई सोलमेट बट इन वन ऑफ सीमा मैम स्टॉक्स आई हर्ड हर से दैट शी डज नॉट बिलीव इन सोलमेट्स शुड आई ड्रॉप द आइडिया टू या आई टोटली डोंट बिलीव इन सोलमेट्स आई बिलीव दर आर सोल इज वास्टर दैन द यूनिवर्स दिस सोल इज इमोटल when the body dies that soul continues there is no one person in this universe that can fulfill everything that your soul mate need your soul needs i think that when we start saying soul mate we put extra pressure on the other person and you are then bound for disappointment look for a companion look for somebody that you're going to enjoy being with look for somebody that you can spend not like most people think that you know if they're looking for a partner it's all about the hot heavy sex that is supposed to be good look for someone who you can laugh with go on treks with do other things with if you enjoy spending time with that person that is a person for you if when they are not with you and you think of that person and think of what all you did and it brings a smile to your face that's a person you want to be with leave your soul out of it only you can look after your soul how wonderful so deep <laughs> i have been happily married with my wife for the last 12 years aur uske pehle bhi hum 6 saal relationship mein the but recently i have stopped feeling attracted to her and mujhe ek friend ke sath cheat karne ka bhi man hota hai why is this happening is falling out of attraction common falling out of attraction is very common because you you get into this monotonous part you know everything is the same you become boring i always say to people ke as a couple who are committed to each other you must do lots of things separately and not just do ke acha main apni friends ke sath shopping chali gayi lunch pe chali gayi or main apne friends ke sath drink ke liye gaya or whatever don't just do that actually go out and do activities with other people so that when you come back you have things to chat about you have new experiences then you say acha isme bahut maza aaya chalo hum ikatthe karenge you know what i mean you have to bring the excitement back into your life in every relationship there will come a point where the excitement goes we are told this constantly are you know that passion wo to fade ho jayega definitely fade ho jayega but you have to keep that going relationships are very difficult best relationships are the ones that you work towards everybody is going to find themselves attracted to somebody else during their lifetime everybody means everybody
just what it is that is attracting you to that person try and understand what it is and try and bring that to your relationship you have to make an effort and both people need to and the only way of making sure that this happens is if both of you decide it has to be a conscious decision you can't just say ho jayega um look for ways to make it better and yeah falling out of attraction finding other people attractive very very common very normal you would be abnormal if you didn't <laughs> i think uh, the person should really like your answer <laughs> <laughs> ma'am i can't attain pleasure through orgasm mujhe lagta hai ki sex toys help kar sakte hain par main kaise mere husband ko bolu ki mujhe sex toy use karna hai unhe acha nahi lagega in fact i was reading this um, fact in the journal of uh, sex and marital therapy uh, therapy they did a study in 2017 which says 81% women don't orgasm while penetrative sex i think kam sutra knew this really well and hence most of the book is not about the act of sex but lot around it um what i think this is one answer that will help a lot of women so um yeah like i said before most women most women will not orgasm during penetration and even for that orgasm during penetration to happen the circumstances have to be a certain way it doesn't just happen automatically it takes quite a lot of i don't know um maneuvering to be able to do that we always say that sex toys work wonderfully well because for some reason you can actually uh, you know most people think that the vagina is the counterpart to the penis it isn't so just like the penis is the the organ of pleasure the vagina is not the counterpart it is the clitoris that is the organ of pleasure and other parts of the female anatomy that can give you an extraordinary amount of pleasure now the good thing is that as the woman's body um, literally every part of your body you can get an orgasm from Unfortunately, because ये हमारे दिमाग में कहा जाता है कि इस तरह से ये है सेक्स जब ये बॉडी पार्ट और ये बॉडी पार्ट मिलेंगे ये है सेक्स और इससे तुम्हें प्लेजर मिलना चाहिए और सिर्फ अपने मैरिड पार्टनर के बॉडी पार्ट से प्लेजर मिलना चाहिए डजेंट क्वाइट वर्क लाइक दैट सेक्स टू इज डेफिनेटली हेल्प फॉर अ लॉट ऑफ मैन इट इज अ रियल थ्रेट so unse kehna bhi they find it quite um, i think most guys get very offended unko lagta hai ki kya main tumhare liye kafi nahi are hum lubrication ke bare baat karte hain and i say ke lubricant zarur lagaiye and guys will write in and say i am more than enough for my wife udhar ego ki problem aa jati hai so here understandably they get very emotional about it i think that you have two options one is that aap sex toy le आप यूज करें एंड बहुत ग्रेजुअली शायद आस्क योर पार्टनर टू इंट्रोड्यूस फिंगर्स कहिए कि अच्छा पेनिट्रेशन की बजाय आप अपनी उंगलियाँ देर इज अ चैप्टर ऑल्सो इन द बुक ऑन उंगली प्रयोग विच इज रियली इंटरेस्टिंग बिकॉज डिफरेंट शेप्स ऑफ फिंगर डिफरेंट मुद्राज एस दे कॉल इट कैन हेल्प यू टू अगैजम सो आप शायद अपने पार्टनर को डायरेक्टली सेक्स टॉयज के बारे में नहीं बता पाएंगे बट यू कैन एक्सप्लेन टू हिम कि अगर आप फिंगर यूज़ कीजिए या अपनी टंग यूज़ कीजिए मुझे 
ज्यादा अच्छा लगेगा दैट्स वन वे ऑफ गोइंग फॉरवर्ड विद इट एंड इफ इट मीन्स दैट योर प्लेजर विल बिकम डिपेंडेंट ऑन यू डूइंग दिस फॉर योर सेल्फ देन सो बी इट आप लीजिए अपना सेक्स टॉय और यूज कीजिए एंड देन बी देयर टू बी द लविंग केयरिंग pleasuring wife for your husband anyway my name is diksha in one of seema ma'am's talks i heard that seduction has become a victim of evolution i wanted to know what she meant by that okay so you know how today we use the word seduction it's seen as a bad word hmm um people i've had friends really good friends say oh but you know seema when you say so and so seducing somebody isn't that manipulative So the word is taken. There's a negative connotation. There's a negative connotation. Seduction has also become, like we were saying, you know, to be sexually dressed is only to be a particular way. So that is when you are seductive, and you know, it it kind of is now attached to what you're wearing, um, how you're talking. Am I fluttering my lashes at you? Seduction to me is a state of mind. if i have decided inside me that i feel good that is going to come out seduction truly is that part of you that other people see and they think i love that i want to be part of that energy that is the original meaning of seduction it is your shakti it's your aura it's your personality you know if you i have a friend for instance whenever i talk to her wo khil ke hasti hai you know she laughs out loud no matter what i say her laughter is so contagious i i love chatting to her because i know that she's going and i wait i i listen out for that laughter that is seduction because you know that if i'm talking to that person she's loving what i'm saying it makes me feel good wow you you with that example you really opened up the meaning of uh, yeah, the word yeah i think seduction has come to over time just get this very negative connotation about what a woman is doing to a man i mean like literally that's our basic definition of it now seduction is who you are it's like when people say i really want to talk to her because or him equally him let's let's not leave the guys out of this because you know when they talk about this subject when they talk about that piece of art i just like wow or that person has that gentle smile when when i talk to him and he has that gentle sweet smile imtiaz ali have you ever noticed when you talk to him he's got the sweetest gentlest most polite aura which is just so attractive Yeah. Wow. I think that's seduction is who you are. So yes. Three things or takeaways you want uh men or women um to take from your book Art of Seduction. Okay. First thing, I want guys to take that idea, you know that that thing saying girls like guys who treat them like trash. Actually no. Girls really like nice guys. and girls like men who make love to them in a way that gives them pleasure so kabir so, singh is not kabir singh <laughs> and now animal man animal. ah anyway yeah 
Kabir Singh is not the way forward. Um, but yes, I would like guys to know that at the end of the day, their sexual intimacy, their sex life, their pleasure life is going to depend on how their partner reacts to them, not on what they think that some faceless group of men have laid down some laws. So get intelligent, be with your partner, listen to what she wants, and learn to be a gentle romantic lover because that's how it has to start. Eventually, I mean, when the passion is up, yeah, you get really excited and you go into different um, tempos, but learn that. It's really important. Forget what you have been told in the boys' locker room. <laughs> okay, that's really very, very important for me. Um, I want girls to, I want women to know, and men, that a woman exploring her own pleasure mm. is good for both people. Mm. Somebody wrote to me recently and said, but if a woman has never felt the touch of a man or never masturbated, then she'll be so much more sensitive to the touch of a man. Actually, that doesn't work like that. Um, when you've never experienced any of this and when your emotions are aroused, it can be very agitating. It can be very difficult to control. I mean, especially, especially the first time the clitoris is touched. It is really, really, it can be very agitating. It doesn't automatically lead to pleasure. You have to understand how much of it you need to get to that point of pleasure. So instead of saying women shouldn't learn about this, encourage the woman to learn about her pleasure because that means it's going to be more pleasurable for both partners. It's really important. And before I give you my third one, tell me what is your thought I mean, if you had a point that you'd like people to learn to make this world a better place, what is it that you would? The fact uh, around how you explain that it is not just about the orgasm, but the entire what happens before, what happens after, the conversations, the entire experience. I think that 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 was also a very interesting take on um, the whole thing. Definitely. I think for me, it's just this idea of developing this thing on flirting. Again, it's looked down upon. Um, or flirty, slutty, you know, and so on. Um, and with the guys, it's like, huh, so he doesn't know how to flirt uh, because he's a guy. You know, guys don't talk so much. Guys, women, don't. Okay, let me give you a slightly better example. I get trolled constantly by people saying, Dadi ko bada experience hai, chachi ko baat pata hai. <laughs> Haan hai. Experience hai. I, if I got to 60 without having experience, what a sad life that would be. And I want people to know that experience is not just that you've gone and had sex with a million people. That's not experience. Experience takes in so many other things, your conversation, your um, travels, the people that you talk to, what you learn from them. You read about how Casanova used to feed oysters to his women and very strategically drop it down their dress and then say, I will retrieve it. So it's not because he had two dozen oysters. It was an aphrodisiac. It was how he used his oysters, you know. There is I, I want people to know that intimacy is an art form. 
that has to be studied and learned. Don't let somebody put you down and say, but I experience it. It's a good thing. On that note, uh, thank you so much, Seema. I think this was a very interesting chat. Got to learn so much from you. Uh, and I hope that people enjoy watching this and take back home. Um, I think one big takeaway that I would want people to have is prioritize your sexual relationship with your partner uh, because that's what I learned from listening from what is written in Kam Sutra. They did everything revolved around uh, that if we really list down our life and think what is it that we spend on, let's say even money, right? It would be on hundred things, but uh, this would not be on the list. So. Uh, I think that's one thing for sure to learn from your chat today. Thank you. I agree with you over there. I believe that um, we we don't prioritize intimacy. And yes, you can have a perfectly good relationship without it. But that adds something to your relationship that you cannot find in any other way. But for anything to be good, you have to work on it. <laughs>